From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 67 and we're talking about Chinese sci-fi film Bleeding Steel. Came out in 2017. So in this episode, we will reveal what we thought about that film, the ins and outs of narrative, plus a bit of film language and then a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Bleeding Steel was directed by Leo Zhang, and I'm probably going to have issues with some of these names tonight, but the writer Erika Chauhau. Well, I'm not going to correct you. And Leo all were screenwriters for this film. Yeah, so turn back now. If you haven't seen this film, go and watch it because this is your spoiler warning. Warning, warning, warning. Warning, warning. And then come back and listen to us because we're going to go right through this thing. Going into all of it. Cheap artificial blood, something like that. Well, your your blood is made of steel, isn't it? Your heart is made of steel. Steel heart. Steel heart. We'll go, we'll we'll copyright that, that name. Is there is there a film made uh, out there called Steel Heart? That's our next episode. Bleeding Steel is a pretty good name for a bit, It so. is, it is. Um, so Bleeding Steel is, is about a cop, Jackie Chan, who must protect a scientist's genetic material from an arms dealer. But when he learns the code is inside his deceased but now regenerative daughter... It becomes very personal, sorry. It becomes personal. <laughs> no. And that's what we expect from a Jackie Chan movie, don't we? we? We expect it to be personal. Well, I think just about any of these sort of films has to be personal. Well, it does. That's they the golden are. rule of the writing. In- right? The interesting thing is how do you how do you come up with a fresh take? And I did like this one. He's, uh, you know, he's got to rescue this guy who's been kidnapped and held against his will by the arms dealer. Yep. While simultaneously his daughter is dying in the hospital. Mm. And then it's later on we discover that his daughter survived. Yeah. Well, was saved. Saved. Brought back to life, resurrected. By the doctor. Whatever. But the point is, yeah, it's personal thing where he's... He hasn't revealed himself to his daughter in order to keep her safe. But then now it's, you know, the Mm. movie progresses. So I think it it was a good way of doing that. Personal. It's good, yeah, it's a good fork in the road straight away, isn't it, for a character? Like, what shows you who this character is. Oh, it's, it's good, yeah. And is that your number one takeaway already? We're already done? <laughs> or have you got a number one takeaway no, from Bleeding my, Steel? my number one takeaway is that if you are a cybernetic super soldier mm. with regenerating blood, mm. you also somehow get a flying fortress. Yeah. That yeah, was why not, not? It was not explained where not that explained, came from. Not explained, no explanations. Why he was the only one with this, like, Death Star, not Death Star, like a Star <laughs> Destroyer, Star Flyer. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, and I very yeah. much liked it. And it, it makes for a, a good ending. It, it could easily have been something far more mundane, but mm. I think where's the fun in that? I think they took that science element and then just ran with it in a whole other angle for that 
Death's Destroyer plane thing, whatever yeah, I mean, it was. It, they, it was. They could have just used like a, a big flying cargo plane. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the whole point is it's hard, hard to know where this uh, Andre soldier fellow is. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's because he keeps flying around the place all that's the time. Right. That's right. They could have just done it. Oh, it's just a, you know, a, a standard cargo plane that he yeah. just flies around that he knows from his military buddies. Mm, but no, but this far was... far more a- interesting <laughs> to make it a flying fortress yeah. filled with bad guys. And scientists and the whole array, right? Like it was. Oh, cool. the, the whole the whole empire was there. It was, I suppose. In I dis, yeah, I suppose in the Marvel universe, they've got that too, don't they? They have that kind of ship thing that they kind of hover around yeah, on. Like and, the, oh, I can't remember what they call it now, but yes, it, it's it's that flying aircraft carrier. Yeah, that which which is, which is sort of a bit of a but bending shouldn't of the truth. A flying aircraft carrier have ships on board that. Yeah. Like drops ships off yeah. because it's so like it's so a, big itself. It's a it reversal. Really... Yeah, the reversal. That's a, a ship with airplanes. It's, it's an airplane with ships. It's just <laughs> drops, but I don't, know. I don't know where I'm going. That doesn't really work out very well. No, so, it doesn't at but, all. But tell me though, was this hope warning or experiment? Warning. So I reckon it's a cautionary tale. Warning, Basically, warning. science. Because in this story, the doctor. He does save his daughter with his, you know, a scientific breakthrough. But he's also, of course, kind of been creating that science for, you know, the military mm. and selling that on to the arms dealer with the bad guy, right? Like he's made the bad guy the bad guy. He's, it's one of those examples of the scientist making Frankenstein or, you know, actually making no, the bad Frank, guy. Franken, you mean the sequel to Frankenstein where yeah. the monster's name is Frankenstein? Yeah, well, Frankenstein... That, that, do... movie's, that movie's been made so that we're allowed to refer to the monster as Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone tries to correct you, say, no, no, I'm talking about the sequel. Talk about the sequel here. No, well, I've read the book, like, and the thing is Frankenstein's actually not a bad guy. No, he, he wants to help people. He wants to help people. He just doesn't know how to help people. Where do I put the cereal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing is, in this, it's that same. It is that same thing, like science going too far. And of course, we we have this. There is this really cheap excuse, isn't it, in a lot of science sci-fi films that hey, it's for the military or it's for the arms dealers. And then you know, I think the scientists never start off in a bad foot, do they? But it's just that, who's paying for this? It's a bit like the arts. No one's going to fund you. But in, it's the same for the scientists. No one funds you until there's like a real need for it. Just so wait until you discover who's funding us. Yeah, I know. You'll, you'll really... You'll, suddenly, episode 72, we really change tax and this <laughs> podcast becomes about something totally different. Yeah, that's when we broadcast the uh, mind control, Ray. That's right. So just... Make you all come to the film festival. Which is confusing because being a podcast, who knows when they actually listen to it in their own time frame. But anyway, it'll be there subliminally. Uh, but I do. I think uh, definitely a cautionary tale, the fact that the wrong people want these technologies. And even, you know, the bad guy then is hunting them to get to her because that's going to regenerate him now because he got burnt early in the film and was deformed and stuck in his huge air carrier in the sky. Uh, and then even at right at the end, you've got another guy surrounded by boobies, kind of wanting to buy that technology again, isn't it? So it's Straight like, up. so it's like, it's always going to be something bad. And I, I like this kind of cautionary tale because it's something I have often thought about: is when you have a singular power being revealed, mm. like it's in this case, it's regenerating blood, for yeah. example. Yeah. Then when it's so. Um, singular like this like it's yep. it's not widespread and it's so far advanced it's 
invariably going to cause massive conflict. Yeah. And I've thought about these things. Uh, you take the hypothetical, the magic genie pops out and gives you the power to heal anything with mm. a touch. Yep. Any wound, you can, anything, any disease, anything at all, you can yep, just yep. heal with a touch. So then you sort of go, oh, great. Now I can, you know, well, what can I really do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you go into a hospital and you just go through and touch and heal everyone yep. and then it gets out, okay, you have this ability to do this. Mm-hmm. How many people are going to want you to only yeah. do it for them? Billions. But then the other question is there are millions of people who are sick and dying yeah. and ill. How do you divide your time? You can't. Oh, no. Even and then if what, you spent all day, every day, just running around touching as many people as you yeah. could, healing them, you would not physically have enough time. No, well, you get those like you know those religious uh, places in the world where people queue all day and they they get that three seconds to touch the statue or the weeping rock or whatever How, it is. You, like, and so then there's going to be that it's a scarce, scarce, really yeah. useful resource. Mm. And how do you? How do you mean that? You, you basically have to keep you have to keep it quiet, basically. Yeah. And people say, well, that's so selfish of you, yeah, but. If I let this out, mm. the trouble it's going to cause, you know, mm. yeah. bad people will want to kidnap me, you know, like yeah, some right. organized crime leader has found that their favorite second cousin has cancer. And so, well, <laughs> now you're getting picked up and chucked in the back of a truck and dragged yeah. off to, you know, but, but Rockingham. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even then, like another bad guy wants you because they know that you're worth, mu- you're valuable, right? No, they'll ransom you. The more precious you, a diamond, you know, the more precious the whatever it is, oh, shiny. Mm. It's like, hey, uh, you're now valuable. Everyone wants you, don't they? So, yeah, you're, it's a good example of probably making the conflict very high. And in this context, which other films have done this, you know, in this context, it's a young girl. You mm. know, so she's the valuable product, uh, so to speak, and she's the one with the science in her body. And that way, you know, she's the value value point, isn't it, for everyone? Yeah. But that's it, why I think, again, She's the walking MacGuffin. Whereas if you do a Wikipedia and just make it open source, everyone can access it. No one wants to pay for it. It's fine. Who cares, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you just distribute your technology out. And that's the thing. If you could just jump in the ocean and make all the waters healing waters. Yeah. Hey, yeah. No go problem. for it. Yeah. That would have its own problems then with no disease. But anyway. So this is the first time I've ever seen this film. Is this the first time for yourself? First time. I saw it advertised. I saw it on, on Netflix advertised. Mm. And I do briefly remember hearing or seeing mention of this in the news because he was filming, you know, Jackie Chan's filming in Sydney. Oh, okay. So yep. I do remember there was something about yep. his film arriving in Sydney to do production, but uh, I never really sort of followed up with it. 2017, uh, four years ago now, I was far too in the depths of dealing with six-year-old, five-year-old kids and, yeah. <laughs> and so I, on. I mean, I, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know it was filmed in Sydney. I was surprised when in the story suddenly we're in Sydney. I'm like, oh, okay, we're in Sydney. So, And there's a couple of really iconic Sydney uh, settings, of course, that pop up. And actually a favourite scene of mine, which we'll come to later uh, with the Opera House. What was your first impression? My first impression was uh, it felt very Jackie Chan. Yep. It had yep. Uh, a very good um, that sense of his style. Like yeah. there, there was a... There's a bit, bit of humour. A bit of humour in there. In, and a little the, bit, in the intensity. Yeah, and, and the sort of unusual uh, combat choreography. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a good sort of fun movie Is, to watch that wasn't 
as his films do, didn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, which I, I quite and, like and at again, times. It just asks you, says, look, just go with us. Yeah. Okay, there's yeah. this dude here. He looks like a, you know, Marilyn Manson um, lookalike. <laughs> Matrix yeah, with, crossover, 90s crossover. With, with, with um, anonymous soldier guards. Yeah. Just, just deal with it. Just do it, yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Is you just reminded me of the spaceship in the sky. Like, there's no explanation that the guards, they had those, like, really powerful guns as well, didn't yeah, they? Sure. And the suits they wore, it was kind of like bullets didn't penetrate them at all, you know? And mm. so... You just had to go with the flow of it. So Sari's yeah. making a really good point there. Sit down to watch this movie, grab yourself some popcorn or whatever you like to eat and just sort of go for the ride. Yeah. Um, Jackie Chan always does do some stunts that are unbelievable and even the, the fighting scenes themselves are quite... They're OTT but in a good way, I find. Like I still remember seeing Rumble in the Bronx was the first film I'd ever seen of Jackie Chan, which mm. I know is the first venture over to Hollywood and it's just like those outrageous stunts that he does in the fight scenes are kind of, it's a spectacle. It's like going to the circus or something, isn't it? You know, it's something OTT and it's great. It's good fun. Okay. So, well, that's, that's what you found was really good, but what was your favorite scene? Oh, well, the opera house. Okay. Yeah, so the opera house to me. my favorite scene. Yeah. <laughs> well, for a couple, for one reason. Okay. So it's a classic Jackie Chan, you know, and I thought this, I'm like, oh my God, is he going to have a fight? Once they were in Sydney, I'm like, is he going to have a fight on top of the, the Harbour Bridge, right? Because you can go up on the Harbour mm. Bridge. It's a tourism thing. And I think you can also go up on the Opera House. I, I don't know, but, it you know, these days they're doing a lot of those like bridge climbs and building climbs and it's just a it's a good tourist activity if you enjoy heights. Yeah, I've, I've done it. It's now, good. the reason why this is really good, this scene for me ticks a lot of boxes is A, it is really a bit, reminded me a lot of a Hitchcock film and the filmmakers have gone to that effort to me. They've, they've played off the Hitchcock uh, idea of like showing you heights in a really interesting way. The second thing is, hey, why don't we have a fight on top of the opera house? Awesome. <laughs> Love it, right? Like why not take it to that extremity? Uh, and and then the third thing is I don't, I don't really have a problem with heights. It's not something for me. My wife, even when we've watched movies, she didn't watch this with me, this one, but even when we watch some movies and they're on top of a building or something, she might go, oh, ah, you know, like a, a physical reaction. And normally I'm like, uh, you know, it doesn't really do it to me. Uh, I remember going to, you know, the 3D Omni kind of, you know, whether one of those, um, mm, yeah. what they got Omnimax screens and it goes, you know, down on a roller coaster and you feel that a bit. So I'm not, I'm not that uh, desensitized, but normally in film, it's not a big thing. However, the way they shot this really got me kind of like my heart jumping a little bit. It got me feeling like I was above the opera house and I was on the side of the opera house. Um, so it was a massive kudos to um, Leon, Leo, sorry, Leo Zhang. I, I felt that he really took me to that moment. And again, it's a popcorn moment. Like it's not like it's this you know, dramatic moment. It's a really high octane, heart pumping scene. And, and, and it ticked the box for me because normally that doesn't get me. That normally doesn't get me. And whereas that scene got me and it's a great fight as well between him and the, the, I think she's just called the woman in black. Yeah. yeah she's never um, named. She's not named Australian actress. I, Tess I, called, I called her, um, Trinity on steroids. <laughs> she's like my, that. My notes. She's totally like that, right? And uh, she's played by an Australian actress, Tess Horbridge, which has been in a whole bunch of stuff. 
she was in Alien, the, the Alien Covenant, you know, the one that was shot in Sydney. Oh, yeah. So she's in that. Um, and she's in a big uh, Hemsworth movie coming out in 2021. And But she's got a pretty big career here in Australia, Home and Away and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's our benchmark as yes. always. Uh, but, but she's a real working actor in the, in the film and TV world. So, But I loved that scene. That scene really hooked me. And no, it's not it's not at all sci-fi, but it got me. So it was my favourite scene. It was, it was a beautiful scene. I loved it too because... Because of all those things you said, and the fact that it's it's just nice that they're in that little narrow bit, that little narrow bit, fight. yeah. As we see, we see the the harbour bridge behind them a little yeah. bit, the slipping and sliding on the tiles. Yeah, it's, it's they just did fun. a lot of jump cuts above. They must have got a couple of drones up there. I'd say, you know, drones make a lot of this filming very different. You know, you can go right above people to the side. You can get in, and even possibly to reduce the time stunt men are even up there or whatever, uh, or women, you know, you can pop up a couple of drones, pretty inexpensive, you know, on a big film like this. You don't don't need the same clearance as you do with a helicopter. No, that's right. And you can kind of alleviate and change angles really quickly. So drones are changing a lot of those kind of shots as people notice. So is is this film a science fiction film, sorry? It sure is. Why? Why is it? What makes it a science fiction film? The reason is because... Apart from that Death Star in the sky... Well, we have the the basic story. If we're going to like break it right down, is the fact that this um, officer's daughter has something that someone else wants. Yeah. Now you could that have could said, be not sci-fi. It could have been a diamond. Yep. Or a piece of paper. Or a special watch or something. Or a special watch. But the problem is this had this was integrated into it like it was. Um, What's well, in her blood? It yeah, yeah, inseparable. That's a good point. Yeah. And as a result, she was the key mm-hmm. as well as the um, plot point. You know, she was, like I said, a walking MacGuffin. Like yeah. She was needed by the bad guys and the good guys wanted to keep her. Yeah. And there was no way that you could separate her specialness from her, which means that that, that scientific explanation of it being in her blood with the memories uh-huh. in the blood, mm-hmm. uh, that in itself basically means that, yeah, if you took the science fiction out of this film you wouldn't be able to tell the same story because you'd, no. you'd have to come up with additional reasons as to why they didn't just, you know, take the watch off her yeah. or photograph <laughs> the special tattoo she has yeah. or yeah. whatever other sort of thing yeah, they could have done. Yeah, like what would why would the bad guys want her? You, you can understand her father's uh, quest to sort of be in the background. Like let's yeah. say she just had amnesia. So she had forgotten about him, which is also happens in this story. Yeah. But let's just say that was the point, and then he's just overwatching her from a distance. Why would anyone want her in that way, in that bad way? You know, what's her resource? In, in a in a lethal way too. Yeah, because it, right. it's not as if oh she owes some money. Yep. Well, so they're gonna like kidnap her and hold her for ransom. Yeah, that's right. Or make her work off her debt in a sweatshop or something, you know, like fighting pit, I expect, would be the better way of doing it. (laughs) If it's a Jackie Chan movie, yeah. yeah. But no, you're right. Like in this one, it's like we need, I'm going to suck the blood out of you. I'm going to take every last drop because I'm going to reinvent myself so I'm healthy again and then I'm going to make a super squadron army behind me. And haven't we all wanted at some stage to exchange our blood with a beautiful (laughs) Chinese girl's blood? Yes, of course. 
I've, I've gone through a few small Chinese girls myself. Oh, have you? Yeah, they're, they're bloodless Gosh. corpses are strewn. Oh, up. that's why your skin looks so good oh, these days. It's got that glow. <laughs> it's got that, that real glow to it. A uni student glow. Yeah, okay. So so get, 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 with that then, what mm. was the science part, that the sci-fi bit that you really liked? I liked that when we got into Dr. James, uh, played by Kim Jinjul, the Australian actor. Great to see him back in a role, isn't it? Colin From a Gartner. Night. <laughs> Colin Gartner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he has been in a whole bunch of dramatic oh, stuff he's, as well. He's, he's, but, yeah, huge actor here. You know, um, been around the traps a long time. Big 90s actor, I think, probably more so. But So it's great to see him back behind uh, there as this sort I mean, it was funny, wasn't it? Because he wasn't a evil scientist, so to speak. And yet... Yeah, and he doesn't play a massive role. So it was kind of a it was a bit of a weird role in a way. I I found that character a little bit odd. And then he obviously saves the daughter, but as a last ditch effort to kind of put his work out to the world as well. Yeah, he's so trying, to, trying to save his a little bit of vanity. <laughs> and I, it's not like he's just trying to save I was just gonna say it. for for listeners who aren't Australian or maybe not old enough Australian, mm. Kim Ginjul, he sort of came up through the ranks with Eric Banner. Yeah. So we, yeah. we know Eric Banner from here in Australia from Chopper. Yep. We also the the first Hulk movie, if you remember that, and from mm. Black Hawk Down. Yeah. And a couple of those other films, The Time Traveler's Wife. Time tra- yeah. And so on. And a couple of films we need to do, bro. So, so, <laughs> so Kim Jin- Ginjul and Eric Banner, they were in the same um, pool of actors doing some comedy skit shows yeah, and... Uh, and a number of other sort of smaller Australian productions at the yeah, time. Uh, Eric definitely. obviously went over to Hollywood, uh, and Kim he, he stayed true blue Aussie. Yes, he Thank did. Thank you. Or probably Didn't went to New Zealand. He probably went to New Zealand. Yeah. Probably, but we probably. Won't go to New Zealand. But anyway, sorry, I deviate from the whole point of the question, which is the science element. Is this idea that they did dive into showing us the animals that regenerate? So he like cuts up a starfish. And he pulls the tails off some lizards uh, and they sort of digitally put them back. And uh, I, I, I just liked that they based his science and they were making it a very visceral or visual way of showing what he meant, like how his science worked. Because I think sometimes it's a real layman's way of describing this science. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to inject you this blood and your skin will regenerate. And you think, where does that come? Oh, starfish. Yeah. Starfish. They regenerate. Look at, look they regrow. And then here's a lizard. Remember how a lizard, you can't cut a lizard in half and it regrows, but you cut his <laughs> tail. That would be so cool. I know, it would be awesome if any animal actually did that, you know, like to that intensity. And and there is some other animals, I think some jellyfish and oct- octopus do it as well, don't they? They, they grow arms. They grow arms again. And um, I only saw that recently because of that great Netflix stocko, but it's like, it's little. The arm is little. It takes a while to come back, oh, yeah. you know. Like in in the movies and stuff, they've always like made oh the arm just comes back, but it uh, which Jackie Chan does yes at the end of this film. It just he's an arm, right? But like in in reality, no, it's like a little stump for a while yeah. and starts coming back, which makes so much more sense. But I I liked that that science was explained that way, so that was my own personal yeah, it was, taste. It's a lovely quick introduction, quick. a quick. Here you go. Look, 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 look. look. Done. Yeah, done. I've explained the science. Um, so what's talking about your own sci-fi or creative sci-fi. elements? Are you up to anything particular that you want to share, sh- show and tell, share and uh, tell yeah, well, I've, on I've, podcasting? <laughs> I've been working hardcore on this uh, whole film festival thing, but uh, I discovered Neil Blomkamp's uh, Oats Studio Ooh. on Netflix. Okay. So it's yeah. an anthology series. Okay. Of science fiction awesome. stuff. I saw a little bit of this a couple of years ago. Uh, one of them. I don't. And, and I remember seeing it going, oh, 
what's this all about? This Oat Studio. And like it kind of disappears like it was yep, going to be yep. like a web release thing. And okay. It, was, it, it didn't, I didn't really know what it was, but now it's turned up on Netflix. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to be uh, hammering my way through that. Awesome. Which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my uh, my writing group, I'm still writing my, this screenplay, trying mm-hmm. to yep. t- trying to come to grips with how you do mm, that which is surprisingly difficult. It's like when I was doing an audio play, yeah, you know, trying to turn from my story into uh, a script that is only audio mm. and represent that. And now I'm sort of trying to do this, this uh, a video screenplay, like a obviously a screen, a screen, <laughs> a screenplay, as opposed to an audio play, or a telly play, I suppose, because it's and, television. And trying to get the right level of here's what's happening, mm. but. Yeah, I I don't paint every picture because that's what the 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 director and the the art director and the creative yeah. you know that that visual creation is going to come after the screenplay. Yeah, as I'm saying, you do the screenplay and you come up with like a like um well what are those boards picture panels storyboards <laughs> storyboard your yeah. storyboard out like like you see the one for Alien which is yeah. like it's like a whole you know, graphic novel type mm. arrangement. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into you know filming yeah, and so yeah. on. So so you, you don't want to be you want to get the flavor and the intention so people know what you're doing and yeah. talking about, but you don't want to overdo it because there are different ways that you could express a person's emotion. For example, you know yeah. the actor that's their job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want them to have enough in the script to know that they're supposed to be angry at this point, mm. but how they do that is up up to the performance. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the advice of script writing that I've read and seen over the years, like they, the scripts are supposed to be lean and mean, meaning there's not supposed to be many words on a page. You know, a novel is very different. It's full of words, whereas a script has a lot of blank space. Like, And that's what they mean by lean and mean. Um, and, and also a little tip there, like, you can have a shooting script and that starts to have the camera shots and the editing mm. literally labelled out, whereas you're writing the script from the writer point of view. So yeah. you're telling the story and sharing the emotions. Like that all has to be there. And if there's also something essential to the script for you as the writer, like, you know, for example, the blood needs to be in this girl, well, that needs to be in the script, right? But it doesn't necessarily need, you don't need to necessarily maybe describe the motorbike she rides on unless that motorbike was like a real key I, element to I the character. I don't imagine I'd, you know, you know, with this starfish and lizard tail, I wouldn't say there's a shot, a quick shot of a no. lizard and a starfish regenerating. No. You, yeah, you, yeah, you might say that Dr. James cuts the tail off a lizard and that lizard and that tail regrows or, you know, yeah. it's something along that, but you're not saying, you're not dictating. But what, see, in the way that you can write that, you can sneakily you know stick in a kind of rough camera angle because if you're like oh a little tiny skint lizard about the size of 10 centimeters has its tail precisely cut off by dr james right like the director is going to go well that has to be a close-up and in your mind you're like yeah it should be a (laughs) close-up yes so you're kind of tricked in a way because you are directing that but you shouldn't write in there close-up of lizard cut tail you know like that's not going to probably get you anywhere Uh, because it could also be represented as a wireframe animation in a (laughs) computer simulation yeah and that's what the then the director might go do you know what i don't want a real lizard 
let's do it on a computer screen. The doctor kind of showing his work to yeah. someone else or something. Yeah. Anyway, so, so that's right. So that's that's interesting. The the other interesting part about that because we talk a bit about uh, how how our acts are broken down and, yeah, we and do. different elements. And I'm I'm at that point where I'm sort of just writing the whole script. Yep. And then there's multiple characters in this, but mm. I'm writing it basically sort of from the one. Yeah, yeah. And then I figure what I'll have to do then is go back and do up a bit of a, a beat sheet, as it were. You know, mm. here's, here's some plot points that need to happen at certain times. Yeah, yeah. But I also need to then introduce these other elements of the story mm. in order to make the whole thing work. Yeah. And trying to do that, and this is where a lot of writers will give you the advice of, yeah, you just vomit your first draft. Yep. Start writing after you've written the first draft. That's mm. when you start making the story. Yeah, yeah. And so that's sort of what I'm doing. I'm taking it from this short story I wrote, or novella. Yep. And um, turning that into a screenplay mm-hmm. format. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's it's not, you know, it's supposed to be an eight episode, you know, it's I'm putting it in the format of like, a, um, a Netflix or a streaming services, you know, they want yeah, yeah. eight episodes of mm-hmm. about 40 to 50 minutes mm-hmm. long yeah. each. So that's what I'm doing. So I want to pay about 45 to 60 page sort mm-hmm. of script, mm-hmm. but it's got to have the highs and lows and the pilot has to be enough to let act as the inciting incident for the whole show. Mm-hmm. So you know what the other seven episodes are going to be doing, roughly mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. So that is going to come next. I'm just mm. doing that initial get it all out. Splurge it out. And then Vomit break it, it down and then make sure uh, the interactions of the characters demonstrate their their character traits, mm-hmm. for example, because uh, you can't suddenly have someone be hot, you know, headed, tempered in the third episode, mm. just suddenly out of nowhere. <laughs> Up until then, they just seem to be quite normal. No, but then suddenly right. they have this big temper tantrum. Go, suddenly they've got an anger problem. Where, where'd that come from? So yeah. I've got to make sure that there's some little hint, okay, they've got this problem, they've got this problem, mm. they've got this strength in little little bits there so that later on they'll come into play. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exciting. It's, it's an interesting process and yeah. I'm enjoying it. So, it's, it, it. I mean, I'll just finish on that with, it's funny, isn't it? Because you do take someone like Blake Schneider, who's sort of really big on don't write anything until you beat it all out. And then, but then there's other writers that are like, other writer, you know, other real writers that have written stuff themselves and, uh, you know, published authors. I'm trying to think there's one of those really big ones, whether it's Dean Coots or oh, Michael Connolly. Uh, I'm yeah. trying to think there's one and you might you might know actually, sorry, or if you're out there and you're listening and you're going, it's this guy. Um, it, he is notorious for actually writing the main character's whole life, which it, is a big no-no. Isn't that and Archer? That's Archer, is it? Yeah, it's yeah. one of them. I, I, I think, yeah, he writes. He writes like literally like they were everything. born and he writes the whole thing, right? And, and the story I was told by someone else who's about writing was like, he writes the whole person's life, the whole thing. And it's, and it's, it's thousands, right? Thousands of pages or something, right? Or thousands of words, right? Beyond what the book's going to be. And then he goes, ah, when he finishes that process, then he goes, ah, when they're 32, that happens. That's the start of the book. Yes. And it's, <laughs> and then he takes that chunk and morphs that and massages that into a book. But I've heard so many other people go, no, don't do that process. You know, you, you, you want to beat it out or you want to do this. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting if you're out there listening and you're a writer yourself, well, get in touch with us. What, what is the best 
um, way to do it because I think both have merits. Uh, yeah. I, I am a big fan as well. Like when drafting stuff, spew everything out. But I, but with my with my scripts, I've tried to stick with the idea of beating stuff out. Well, first. In, in this in this case, the novella I did write from a, a you know a form formed story. Yeah, a plot. I yeah, did yeah. say. Yeah. So I actually I created the characters. Um, based on what I needed to have happen. Yeah, yeah. So I needed a certain climax to have happen, mm. which meant that character A needed to be, uh, you know, aggressive and narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Character B had to be, you know, a little bit withdrawn but creepy. Mm. And then so okay, so let's now put that at the start and make sure that I use that there. And then I need to have this incident where they're, out of their normal world. Yeah. And so I definitely put that down and you sort of built and, a recipe and to broke it, to be it a... into the rough sort of proportions it yeah. needed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that then, of course, I, I fleshed it in from there. Yeah. But this, because I'm writing a screenplay, it, it falls to a different word count. Mm, yeah. Like, whereas I would have maybe three paragraphs of uh, inner thought and description mm. that comes out as being, you know, a Hansa walks across the <laughs> warehouse and punches the wall. Yeah, yeah. You know, but of course, the whole heap of stuff in a written, you know, novel. Yeah. A whole heap of thought has happened, and Subtext. they've noticed that, Subtext. and there's remembering this, and they're doing that, yeah. and then they, at the end of it, punch the wall. Whereas in a screenplay, you know, the actor's job there is to show a bit of conflict on their face and mm. and wrestle with something. Why does he punch the wall? And the director <laughs> needs to sort of show the camera angles, you yeah. know, a bit of a, a bit of a, a Dutch close up. You know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. From a high angle or something, and yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's so as a result, it's it's me converting over into the screenplay, yeah, yeah. not knowing how those lengths work out. Mm. So I can then look at what's there and go, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, this needs to be the inciting incident. This this mm. exciting part here that makes everyone know what's going on has uh-huh. to happen earlier, which means this other stuff either gets cut or is reworked to appear somewhere else mm. in case it's you know. Yeah, yeah. I actually is a literal saving the cat moment Mm. because uh, this character is different from the one in the story because in the story it's a bit of a horror and the main character is a dick uh, and dies at the end. Yeah. But in the screenplay, they're going to go eight episodes. So can't be that way. But anyway, that's that's that. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. It's, It's really cool. Almost too exciting. Yeah. We'll see it on Netflix in 2022. Late 2022, 2023. I don't know. We'll see. Well, you're just going to get the writing bit done first anyway for for us to then visually get to see it. Yes. Okay. And how about yourself? What have you been cracking on with? I'll be very quick. Uh, Harold the Plumber, the film I've been uh, sort of dilly-dallying on a little bit over these last couple of months, but... Cracking on, got the voiceovers done yesterday, laid them out today, got a really pretty damn good tight edit going on now. So I'm actually hopeful that in the next couple of weeks, um, I'm trying to kind of clear it out so then my schedule is a bit more open for other things. Uh, yeah, but and it's also been time for it. So yeah, I'm excited, excited to get that out. Yeah, I think so. Within the next couple of weeks, there should be something to show the world. And that's the sort of film that could be entered into a film festival. Well, that will be the plan with Harold. But this film festival, of course, there'd probably be a conflict of interest because I know the people running it. 
Oh, yes. And at that festival is... The Space Brain Science Fiction Film Festival. Yeah, and it's happening in May 2022 here in Mandra, where we are based. Yes, being performed. They're being uh, the awards screening and gala event programming mm, yep. is on the uh, the 21st at the Mandra Performing Arts Centre in the Fish Trap Theatre. Yeah, so it's got a cool. stadium-style seating, a yeah. proper screen, big sound. Over 140 people will be present, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I think they will. People love their short films. And absolutely. we've been getting a whole bunch entered. A couple more came in this week. Uh, it, you know, when you look at it, it might be, feel like a little dribble of entries. But, you know, now we've got quite a few entries. So if you're out there listening and you've been wanting, I actually had a friend uh, through a friend who sort of uh, makes scientific art films and, you know, biology films kind of. It's a, it's a very niche thing that she does. But she actually said, oh, I thought I missed it. And I'm like, no, no, you still got time. Still have time. Uh, you know, the end of October, end of October 2021 is our sort of... Um, November, end uh, of November. End of November, sorry, yes. is our early bird, not our early bird, but our normal entry um, point. And then after that, there will still be a, a late entry and then a, an extended entry. Um, where the price does just go up a little bit, but um, and also just so we're a bit better organised for the actual festival. So, but still, time to make your own sci-fi film. Please do get in there, make get it, on Film it Freeway to enter, or head to spacebrains.com.au, and that will you know you can follow the links pretty easily. So let's get into the film. The film. Talking about the plot. <laughs> the plot of the some film. Techniques and symbolism. And techniques, how yeah. the how the whole plot comes together definitely so yeah let's try to pick on some narrative some key parts camera etc we talked a little bit about that hitchcock high up drone shots even though hitchcock didn't have a drone but he was notorious for using that kind of above the ceiling shot uh and it does add a bit more abstractness to it so we did mention uh leo zhang now he's a bit unknown before this film but he's got a couple of big action films coming out including another one of those jackie chan police stories so not sci-fi and this film was actually released as a bit of a police story title in japan Reborn. But i think i think they just did that to try to sell it <laughs> Because that's like a franchise film, But Jackie Chan went in with that too. Yeah, yeah. He sang the closing credits. He's a singer too, this old Jackie Chan. Oh, he is. Um, And as I said, so Leo is a little bit bit unknown according to IMDb. So I'm not too sure about that. Let us know, Leo, if you've got uh, an extensive short film catalogue. Maybe you can send it us. Well, maybe there's more feature films in China that we've just not come across because... It doesn't. It doesn't go into IMDb. That's right. So Leo did team up with Erica and Siwa, I think. Siwei. Siwei. Cool. Yeah. If look, yeah. Siwei, you want to go and Reach correct out, us on that? Correct because, us on that because we're really mangling these things. But that's <laughs> okay. And basically, you got Jackie Chan uh, playing the key character of Lin Dong, the father, the police officer. You know, the hero of the story, so to speak. Um, Sholo plays this interesting young character called Leeson, uh, which, you know, is a great little sort of character, I felt, and also brings in this cultural um, comicness to it, right? Like, yeah. which we don't see probably in a Western sci-fi action film. Um, they bring it in and it's an interesting take, and I want to talk a bit about that as we go through. Uh, and Nancy is played by Nana Uyang. 
Yeah. And then we've got a whole bunch of Australian actors. So it's a weird thing. Kim Jinjul, um, Damien Garvin, Tess Horbridge, as I mentioned before, and Callum Mulway, all actors that have been in Home and Away uh, at some point or another. I'm sure Kim's even been in an episode or two. I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> Uh, I know he was a guest star on Neighbours at one point there. And it was filmed in Sydney and Beijing. Now, interesting enough, had a box office of, uh, sorry, had a budget of 65 mil and it made 48 mil. So not quite making its money back, uh, unfortunately, even though the Chinese press called this film a money grab film. So it wasn't any film of any substance, sorry. Oh, and then Jackie yeah. Chan just went after the money, I think was their quote. I, and I'm they, like looking at they that. watched I'm, Jackie Chan films before? <laughs> but I went after that and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, because they said, you know, the plot wasn't really that uh, decent and all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, well, they didn't actually make the money anyway. So it wasn't much of a money yeah. grab. So let's talk about the way we like to break down narrative really nice and quickly. We do look at people like Joseph Campbell, Blake Schneider, Rob McKee, um, Field, as always, that talk about this concept in film and in all story, really. But we have this key three-at structure that means that you take a 90-minute film and you're basically breaking the film into three. What's Act 1, sorry? Act 1 is the opening image. It's where we learn the main characters, where we get the theme. The setup. We, we get the setup. We get all these sorts of things which tell us what we're going to expect, mm. what we're hoping to see, and we get some sort of a... Um, uh, an inf- uh, inflection point uh, where their normal life with a normal world yeah, suddenly an exciting moment, shifts. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of the start of the film. Yeah. Uh, of the story, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Well, the start of the plot. Yeah. So the story, because it's interesting, the difference between a story and a plot, a story is a sequence of events. Yes. A plot is the reason for those things. Yeah. So the story starts at Act 1. The plot starts towards the end of Act 1. Because mm. up until then, it's just cop driving car, doing this, doing this. Mm. Okay, and then bang, we have this thing happen. And the story start and like and that the plot gets in yep. gear and it starts moving and we get into Act Two. Yeah, and then Act Two, like I like this description of fun and games, and really it's like the trailer that you might see of the film. It's it's the fun part of the film, even if it's the most serious dramatic film ever born. It is still the fun part of that drama. Call the, setup. the promise of the premise. The promise of the premise. So, what was that inciting moment? We're now kind of having a character make a decision that takes us into Act Two, and then in Act Two, hey, they're doing that decision. They're they're enacting out their their um, consequences of what they decided. And that could be positive, could be negative, but either way it is it is the playing out. And it gets us to basically the middle of the story where there's going to be another junction where they kind of have to they kind of have to maybe make a big decision or the decisions they've been making leads to this massive consequence. So kind of can be a bit of a win for the character or it can be even more of a loss. I like to think of it as a, a learning experience because if you're looking at the journey of the characters, mm. it's often the case that yeah, the first part, first act it launches them into this new life, new world, new situation. Yep. And then we get the fun and games where they're carrying on basically the way they always have. Yeah. And and they're trying to the best they can. But in this new world, right? Like in they this reach new their place. their midpoint is like, okay, that's as far as you're going to get yep. with what you already know. Yes. Now shit's going to change. Yep. You're going to you have, have to, to change. You're going to have to learn something. Yep. Or change or adapt. Yeah. And the plot, which they might have thought was heading them down this particular highway, 
in fact, is not. So now they've got to kind of make another decision. Um, and, and in doing that, there's some terminology like if it's a film where bad guys are closing in, like this film, bad guys are literally closing in. Yes. <laughs> so the kind of things that they've been doing, sort of winning, so to speak, fighting on top of the opera house is winning before the midpoint. But then after that, the bad guys are closing in so much that they're taking people away or they're killing people or, you know, the the bomb that you thought the police officer didn't, you know, stopped them detonating. In fact, there was another bomb on a different bus. And, you know, that's the whole, oh, he's got this spaceship in the, it's taking the person into the sky. <laughs> yeah. How do we get into the sky? You know, like, so there's always sort of like another um, accelerating of the bad guys. And this film did that pretty perfectly that all of a sudden, you know, Nancy takes off to um, back home to China. And then when they get back there, the bad guys are already there on top of her. You know, they're kidnapping her. Mm. Um, and just when, just when, you know, you thought, hey, they're kind of, he's got her license safe. No, it's the other way around. Now the bad guys actually have her. Um, so, so it's kind of leading then into that point of do or die um, and the main character has to kind of come up with a plan and I guess this is the thing that takes us into that third act. I, I always describe this to my students that, you know, you get to that third act and again the, 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 the character ha has to be on a bit of a precipice, like on, on top of a mountain almost going, well, I could just abseil back down and I'd be safe or do I kind of go over the ridge and keep what, what's on the other side of the ridge? Yeah. I've come all this way. I've learned some new le lessons, but I could just go back. I could just go back to my couch. And if they decide not to, and they go over the press, and of course, as an audience, we're like, go over, go over. <laughs> we want to see it. And it could be life or death. You know, it could be on the side of a mountain and they've got no more rope. And they've got to now go with, they've got to keep climbing and they've got no more rope to get them up the mountain to be safe, you know. And and sometimes that's the thing. The stakes now are so high, it's life or death or it's not only life or death. It's like if they go forward, there's no guarantee of coming back, you know, like in The Matrix. They, they always have to make that choice. We're going to go in The Matrix. We've talked about it. We're going to go save Morpheus. I'm not the one. And we're probably going to die, but it's worth doing it to save Morpheus because yeah. he's more important than us. So, so let's go do it. So, like that propels the story into a whole another act of act action. Three, which is the finale. So, finale, yeah. Act three is where the, the the hero or heroes has to pull together everything they've learned. So they yeah. up to the midpoint, they're just carrying on business as usual. Mm -hmm. Midpoint, big, usually a slap in the face to say, "Hey, wake up! You're having troubles." And that's proven all the way down to the end of Act Two, where they they've they've struggled, they've yeah whatever. Act Three is where they've they pull their shit together. They go, hey, you know what? I I think I figured something out. Yep. They gather their resources, usually their new resources they've gotten. You know, Neo asks for guns, lots of guns, and he's all fully trained up, and he's you know gets yep. gets going. And yeah, so they have the the little plan, and they get fired off, and they head off. And they get some initial victory, but then there's always like a, a reversal or something which sort of says, you haven't quite finished growing yet. You're not quite there. Not quite there. You're going to, you like, <laughs> so you fall back a little bit and then there's that, here's the true inspiration. Here's the real grit needed. Here's the heroic part or here's mm. the, here's the lesson of the story, the theme being solved. Mm. The riddle of the first act mm. is now come true, you know, been worked out. 
and there's a uh, victory and it doesn't always have to be victory because sometimes we're talking about horror films in particular yeah, yeah. it's almost a reverse situation where they have to have like something really horrible happen to them yeah yeah but there's always a little there's always a turning point there where oh we killed freddie mercury and <laughs> and then because that's a horror film all of itself no we killed freddie Kruger, I nearly said Mercury again, goodness me. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, the, the final scene where the car drives off and it's got his jumper pattern on it and the yeah. mum gets pulled through the door. Yep. Like, but this is not that sort of movie. No. This is the one where the final thing happens and it's a final good victory. Yeah. And and then we get some sort of display to show the final image, which is yeah, some sort of... Yeah, ever after, right? Like, we saw the opening. That's how everything started. Mm, how does it all end? Yeah. How does it compare? Yes. And often... Often they're very um, similar in the way they compare. You know, yeah, they, they'll show people alone and lonesome all by themselves, and then at the end they'll be sitting down in front of the couch, picking up the the ready meal, and you're thinking, oh, they're all by themselves again. The camera pulls back. No, nah, they're good buddies. They're surrounded by the, people. The the dog that they finally befriended through the thing is next to him <laughs> and puts his head on the lap. Yeah, yeah. And he sighs happily. You know, yeah, like, that's right. So. They're they bookends, but they they're sort of opposite. Just sometimes they can even be almost the same scene, can't they? You know, like yeah. we're, we're like word for word, action for action, but then they're opposites because of that lesson that the and character has learned. Oh, how nice! Nice one. <laughs> so let's get stuck into uh, bleeding steel. So the opening of this film, we have Jackie Chan on his own, Lee Dong, and he's like racing to. Uh, he's racing somewhere. I think then we're getting these like split shots, these split cuts, aren't we, to the hospital. Um, and there's sort of like emergency work happening on yeah. this little girl. Phone call. And he's rushing and there's a phone call. He kind of gets stuck in traffic um, and he then races through a car park to kind of, you know, obviously get away from the traffic. Uh, and he rocks up at the hospital. Yeah, he's at the hospital. So here we've been introduced to this main character, fellow, and he's got some problems. Yep. So we've been told what his problems are through this really fast. It's extremely fast opening. A couple of minutes it yeah. comes in and he's like, so we already know that he's a police officer of some sort. Yeah. There is a uh, an arms dealer who has someone hostage. Mm. And then his daughter is at the same time dying of like yeah. leukemia yeah. and she's in a coma. And let's add on to this, right? Because we're not, we're not far enough in yet. He promised to be there for her birthday. Yeah. But at this exact same moment, the arms dealer is moving the scientist. Yeah. Uh, or the scientist is escaping or, or something terrible is happening. And so we have this... Um, He's right out the front of the we, hospital. It's, it's all, of his, all of his problems are all bundled into one. Yeah. And then he makes his choice mm. and this it's leads... It's a sad us, choice in a way, I reckon. Oh, and Jackie has a little tear in he his does. eye there. Yeah, so we, we get to so that that's the opening image, mm. I think. Yeah. We we've been introduced to the, the main character, his problems, and we can see what sort of person he is because he's really sad that he has to leave his daughter, but there's this other person's life's at stake. And that yes. would be a tough choice. So is it really yeah, so it explains who he is, isn't it? As a cop. He yes. puts he puts his protection of society over his personal Problems, it, personal grief, really, because yeah. yeah. he's basically been told his his daughter's on the way out, mm. but this other guy's not dead yet. So. so then we flash to this Dr. James Kim Jinju, and he's like injecting himself. He's all sweaty. He seems to be in this like shitty place, apartment, whatever. Um, and then he, and he even uh, and then the police start moving in. Jackie Chan and his clan, 
and uh, they're kind of like rushing in and he, he actually like sits back in his chair and vomits some foam out, good old foam. Well, because he injects himself very <laughs> graphically. He does, yeah. Which, which is often in, in movies, I'll do a close-up of the needle going yeah. into them because there are plenty of movies where people inject themselves with, with something to Stuff, help yeah. them, but it's kind of just a by-the-by. Mm. You know, get, it, it's almost off-screen maybe, yeah. but this was one of those ones where yeah, the needle pierces the skin mm, yeah. very deliberately injecting this a big needle green goop into him yeah and he, i did miss that he's kind of got this big machine glowing green syringes blood oh yeah <laughs> like you know it's a very high it looks like a high tech you know yeah, it looks special yeah so yeah. so we we do get that that this is something possibly bad yeah because it, it's undeniably a a reference to drug taking. Yeah. Isn't oh, it? Like, yeah, yeah. The like whole thing looks personal, like he could be on drugs. Personal harm yeah. he's doing. Because you, you don't show that syringe going in like that. Mm. Like if someone had diabetes and they and I've seen it yeah, in movies yeah. where they've got diabetes yeah. and they have to shoot themselves up, it's just, that's one of those ones that's sort of by the by that they mm. finally get the syringe and they sort of jab in their arm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's not this big dramatic, here's a needle, pushes <laughs> down on the skin and it goes, yeah. boom, in. And then the slow injection of a large amount of something horrible. But again, this is all the setup, what we're talking about before. And it's all happening really fast in this film. Uh, like it's cut, 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 you know, like it's real jump cuts. Um, because with that, this unit of police are, uh, and we do have one wide shot of, uh, you know, these these kind of suburban homes in China. Um, and But with that, we're in on uh, Dr. James's place. There are massive, um, oh, what, team squadron of cops. You know, they've all got the cop things and Jackie Chan's leading them uh, with another uh, woman. Not like a 10-year-old girl. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so, and they, they, they're very bunched up. And I'm like, wow, it's a, it's a bit over the top how many police. It, but I guess that was the whole idea there was that th- this guy needs protection or, or the bad guy's so bad he needs 20 police officers around him. Um, and they escort him down this kind of, you know, typical kind of real little narrow alleyway uh, through the homes. And there's a good jump scare of like just a father and a son standing on a balcony having a cigarette or something. Mm. Um, and they come out into the open where all the cop cars are. And there's uh, this Andre and these soldiers that just immediately start firing on him. They just start shooting, and and they very quickly demonstrate their immunity to bullets. Yes, and he, Andre, you know he's something special because he's he's painted funny, and yeah. I, I loved the paint effect on him. That yeah, white, across the face. The, the yeah, so his white skin, and then uh, following the line of his mouth, it's mm. black, mm. and so the camera sort of almost doesn't pick it up a bit, and it, yeah. it looks like he's top of his head is almost disembodied yes it does and it? you get this really uh jarring effect you do. of someone that doesn't look right yes and the whole the whole time he's walking along yeah he's he's big and tall and he's wearing like a big coat and yeah. he looks very cyberpunky yes he sort does. Of fellow but that makeup effect mm. i thought was particularly effective in that it it looked quite simple yeah, and it, it's this great it's, shootout between the cops and his soldiers. His soldiers are in these suits, kind of helmets, but they're glowing helmets. Uh, it's obviously a sophisticated 
um, a material that they're wearing. Even Andre is interesting because he's wearing, apart from this black trench coat, you can sort of see a bit of his chest and stuff, yet they're firing on him, but it's not slowing him down. And they're just advancing on the cops, mowing them all down. Oh. There's bullets that Left spraying everywhere. I think Andre pulls out a little... I don't know what you call it, little bomb gun thing, a bit Terminator style, you know, just blows up. Bo- the sc- a bomb gun. Yeah, bomb gun. A Mark V bomb gun. I don't know what they, they you call those things because I, I don't really, not into weapons, but it's a good old, you know, he blows up the squad car van, doesn't he? The SWAT van goes flying up and lands on another police car. And it's just kind of destruction unfolding. Um, Jackie Chan's all a bit, uh, bewildered, but then he kicks in. He starts doing a bit of his like slip and slide and blowing people up in weird ways and kind of making a bit of headwind. I think he 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 gets hurt, but by one of the explosions, um, they're trying to protect Doctor James, uh, and there's there's um, but it's not looking good. The cops are just kind of like no, going down it, left, right, and center. It's not great. I mean, Jackie Chan he does eventually sort of find these net guns, yeah. and zaps them, and then. That knocks these guys' armor down. And then, yeah. of course, you can just pummel them yeah. on the ground, like just <laughs> overpower them with, with physical yeah. force. Yeah, and stick, I think them. one of the cops does just fire like see, really This close whole up. scene, this all happens within the first six minutes. Yeah, yeah. So we've gotten to this massive shootout within mm. six minutes. Yeah. Uh, by then, and So when I was watching it, I was wondering, going, is this, this can't be the inciting incident. This must be still set up. Yeah. This is still setting up characters or something. Yes. Because it's far too soon for us to know. So Andre gets to this Dr. James because he's mowed everyone down, including uh, – they've mowed everyone down, basically. They've overpowered everyone, including uh, Jackie Chan. He kind of got separated and then he got hurt. Uh, and then with that, uh, he's about to get on top to Dr. James and um, – Lee Dong, Jackie Chan, gets in a car and hits him and pins him against his oil tank. And we have this great moment of showing us that Andre's not really human because he picks up the car and the car, you know, Jackie Chan's still flooring it and it's not going anywhere. Uh, But then with that, he's noticing that he's hit this oil tank and, you know, obviously the petrol's pissing out everywhere and he just fires at the the oil tank and it just explodes. Classic Hollywood style. Yeah. And then he's lying out there uh, hurt, bleeding, and his phone's starting to ring and he he thinks of his daughter as he's kind of, it looks like he's dying basically. doesn't look in good shape. And um, as he's lying there, the the phone is ringing and the Dr. James picks it up and they're saying that, oh, no, your daughter has died in hospital. Yeah. Um, And he kind of, you know, now, to me, that's the catalyst, sorry. That the is catalyst. the inciting incident. What do you think? Yeah, well, I was kind of... Well, I was thinking this is definitely introducing the debate. Mm. Yeah. Which is because at that point, it looks like he's just going, oh, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, it does. And he gets this phone call. Gigi has died or Cece or Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, yeah. Has died. Yeah. And that's where he can go, okay, I'm done. Yeah, like, yeah. I managed to save that guy, but my daughter's dead. Yeah. I'm basically a wreck. Yeah, yeah. Does he give up? And mm-hmm. and I would say, so I, I sort of thinking this is where he's choosing to go into Act Two. Yeah, where he's going. No, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna see this through. Yeah, but it's a bit too early for Act Two, really. It is. It was. As I said, this was so quick. This is all sh- came and and happened all around. But which is and why the- I thought maybe Act Two. Act, and this is where a lot of times these 
these beats and acts and things aren't clear. No, they're not exactly clear. And you could actually argue that, in fact, maybe that whole segment is not really the start of the story. The start of the story is now, now because after that, it goes 13 years later. Yeah, 13 years and later. And now we're following this girl, Nancy, in Australia, uh, going to uni, and, you know, she's basically sort of got... Oh, no, sorry, we have, we, I'm jumping ahead. We're, but we've got this sort of now this intriguing... Um, person of like um, this author who's talking about a bleeding uh, steel heart, yeah. and he's Rick, Rick Rick Rogers, Rick Rogers, Rick Rogers. It's also extremely Australian, Rick Rogers. <laughs> um, so it, it should be Duncan, <laughs> Duncan Rogers, Duncan Rogers. Uh, another great Aussie actor. That guy has been in a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so, but I, you could before we just get into what that is, what happens there. It's like you could say actually that's the start of the film. Like, technically, that's the start yeah. of the plot. Like, that was a pre-fight that these guys all had. But, you know, these writers here decided to put that in at the start. It does make it a very high-octane start that kind it's, of and, and it's, sucks you It in. is more common in this sort of spy action thriller. Like yeah, the, yeah. The thing of the classic case of James Bond, it always starts in media res. There's probably about a five-minute chase fight. Yeah, yeah. Something exciting happens. Mm, yeah. And then it... And then it's the Tyler credits, yeah. and then James Bond is arriving at HQ or a hotel or whatever it is where he gets his briefing or yeah. some sort of information. And so the whole start bit, you wouldn't even have to. You don't have to watch it. It's no. not part of the film. No, no. And likewise, this you kind of didn't really have to see that. Except no, you it, didn't. it introduced the characters a bit yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But you know, it, it's essentially the thing is with that opening could you delete it and then still watch the rest of the story and it makes sense and i think it would because you could say that when andre comes in he's burnt he's disfigured he's searching for it and it's like yeah you got me last time you got me stuck up in this airplane for 13 years you know until i get this daughter i figured out the daughter's got the blood you know like like i'm coming for her and it's like so as an audience if we hadn't seen that start we'd be like oh they've had a fight in the past right mm. like that's the pre-story. Like it's yeah. it's not it's the history of these two characters. We don't necessarily need it, but they've included it. And I must admit, I kind of enjoyed it because I don't watch a lot some, of those actions. Makes good <laughs> it's the same reason like you included it in James Bond. Yeah. Did you have to have a running parkour chase yeah, through right. a construction yard at the start yeah. of Hotel Because Roy- then there's Royal going to be maybe Royal. about 30 minutes of talky-talky. So yeah. <laughs> if this you start with talky-talky, some people are going to walk out of the theatre. Yeah, this, and likewise, if this started off with uh, in Sydney, Sydney, with um, you know, Lee, the, the, the young boy going along and then following the, um, you know, he, he breaks into the, the as a prostitute. Yeah. As a side note, I saw on TikTok someone was demonstrating a full body latex suit mm. much like this mm. and it was it was quite convincing <laughs> yeah like that they, they, yeah they had to have the the clothing adjusted just right because like yeah you get some weird creasing around the knees mm. and elbows but it, you know they had uh, like a little shawl which sort of covered their elbows and mm. it and some makeup on it and it was really quite very convincing yeah right, right. okay the type of videos you're watching on From tiktok a, sorry it, Curiously <laughs> syn- uh, you know, synchronous with having yeah. watched this film where mm. he has like this full body Suit, sort of yeah. latex. So anyway, we have this author, Rick Rogers. He's got this bleeding steel number one book 
throughout the world or whatever. And so he's introduced to us as and as a way of kind of pulling us into the story that now it's 13 years later, we're in Sydney uh, and we do, we have this young, um, we don't know it to begin with, this young girl, attractive, we don't see her face, all dolled up, very skimpy, looks like probably like a prostitute kind of outfit idea, um, arrives at this really flash hotel, heads up to this room of Rick Rogers. And so he's a bit sleazy and they're dancing and he's groping her and she slips him a little bit of, um, you know, something into his drink. And so then he fades out. And, and I love that up. dancing where like uh, Leeson's like twerking yeah. and, and Rick Rogers sort of blinks Starts his eyes spinning. and opens and sees like sort of, weird pimply man legs yeah. and yeah. and then you sort of close his eyes again and pass yeah. out and you go okay that's a bit that's going to be his last lasting memory his lasting uh, memory that was <laughs> although then he, he dies doesn't he but anyway and then this uh, young girl does as Sarah was just saying it's like a bit of a latex boobs ripped off hair wigged ripped off and suddenly it's a it's a it's a young man and he's, he's the character of Leeson and he runs to the computer starts downloading information. He's looking for something. He's hunting for something. Uh, when all of a sudden this black clad, as you said, Trinity version storms the room, doesn't she, with two of her guards. Yeah. Um, just- and Leeson, we don't see it. He just disappears in the room. And so then she's looking. They find a safe. They blow it up and they pull out a book. Bleeding steel. Bleeding steel. And it, it's not like a normal novel. It's obviously like the manuscript, right? Like yeah. it's the original or something. Um, and, but then the, this guy jumps in, right? Jumps into the room, black, black he's got a mask on. on, fights like Jackie Chan. Yeah. <laughs> surprisingly Jackie Chan like fighting style. Yeah. So there's this, and, and this, uh, black clad woman is actually a really good fighter too. So they fight and within the fight, um, He's trying to get the book, so he gets the book. She gets the book. He gets the As book. A, she the gets one of those with the kind of yeah. yeah, one of those like flipping between the two. The other two, uh, sort of you know, masked soldiers, whatever they get annihilated in the fight. Rick Rogers stands up and has his throat slit, um, and uh, I think she grabs him, doesn't she? And she says, "Where's where was you copied the book? Mm-hmm. Where did you get it from? Does he reveal anything?" No, he just says, "Oh, it's all original, all <laughs> original." And uh, but she doesn't go to kill him. But d- during the fight, they slice his throat open or whatever. Um, and the masked man escapes upwards out of the building. Yes, and Leeson, of course, jumped and, and ran and escaped. Yeah, as, well. as the police kind of uh, come in, so they all escape the hotel, closing in. Yeah, so this is this is kind of where yeah the. Um, I put that whole Rick Rogers thing down as a bit of the fun and games. It's kind of because it was like, yeah, here's your your your, your wind up, and now we're going to have um, people running around doing stuff. Mm. Seth Batman. I put I put in my notes to say Batman. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny, wasn't it? Because she, the woman in black as well, she jumps out of that building a couple of stories up, lands on top of a roof of a car. Mm. crushes it in and there's like a couple making out inside the car and uh, runs off, you know, into the wilderness sort of thing, so to speak, doesn't she? Yeah, and it's it's a good little bit. We First of all, um, we get to see uh, Nancy come in then. Mm, yeah, this is then and, when And she's Nancy coming enters. in like, like cafeteria. Yeah. A totally un-Australian cafeteria, but, you know, that's the way university cafeterias look mm. in everyone's mind. No one would believe a real cafeteria. <laughs> so... As, and the then, Aussie cafeteria, mate. 
the Aussie cafeteria. Yeah, and, and of course, the least shrimps on the barbie, shrimps kangaroo on the- steaks, kangaroo steaks. Here's a can of VB, a tinny. Get a get a tinny up you. At uni, it's just I mean, the, the food is. This was he was he was serving spaghetti. It's too fancy for uni food. Fancy, you I mean, fancy two minute spaghetti. noodles around this place. Yeah, you know. Anyway. I digress. So, yeah, Nancy enters. Um, to me, the B story, the way they said it is that Leeson is, like, attracted to Nancy. You yeah. Know? Like, that's what they set it up as. So it's a nice, like, play off that, even though it's not the, the actual context of it. But yeah. it's a nice Yeah, well, one. at this stage, I didn't know that uh, Nancy was Nancy. No, we, we didn't just, know that. It was just a, he's a young girl, Chinese he's girl. He's a young girl, and, and Leeson's gone, oh, and... It's, following after her yeah and she gets into an altercation mm. wherein jackie chan who is serving at the cafeteria mm. sort of steps in and helps but also leeson also steps in and helps yeah and then yeah she nicks off and and runs for it mm. and we do we do get introduced to the uh andre back up in his flying fortress mm. which is great so yep. this is is more of that fun and game section here where we're, we're seeing a bit of spy games. They're trying to track down Leeson. So they're, yeah. they're looking, they go, oh, the, the, the costume was bought online. And so we get one of those things where Leeson's downloading information and finds a reference to Nancy's library card or something yeah. funny. And then the, you know, the woman in black is moving in on the apartment and mm. you get the cut back and forth. So you get that she's about to bust in on Leeson yeah. and Leeson's quickly trying to do stuff. And you even see, looks in a TV monitor and she's at the door. Yeah. Knock, knock, knock. Knock, knock, knock. Opens up, there's a pizza guy. (laughs) And it's that the woman in black bursts into some uh, fake room which has the costume laid out on it and a little card that says... Smiley face. Yeah. Hello or something. (laughs) Trick jar, thank you, whatever. Yeah, so so this this is all that sort of funny games, the spy story type of stuff. And you get that you know nancy um scene where they're both trying to protect her which is kind of yeah that brings that okay now that you've got the main characters have all met yeah and you can see that they're have noticed each other yes yeah jackie chan's got who's this kid jumping in to yeah you know save nancy and so on and and then that leads to she she's visiting because she's having these vivid dreams nightmares that she visits this it's it's really odd but she visits this kind of witch doctor in downtown Sydney. Um, and, of course, because it's in this downtown, gritty, graffiti-filled so building. Graffiti. That's so probably, much graffiti that you didn't know where to look. That's probably an art gallery. It probably is an art gallery in Sydney um, or some sort of open art display. But, you know, they made it. This is like a gritty ville. There's some dodgy characters around. There's some dodgy young men. There's drug addicts. You know, this and kind I want to ask a question because I probably might sound a little bit naive. Is it really true these movies seem to portray whenever a woman is walking around, there's always some <laughs> group of men hell-bent on rape and murder? There is. There's always this. Is, is that... I can't believe that's really true. I think you'd have to ask some women, sorry. I think it probably happens sometimes. That, yeah. But probably not whole teams. It's probably one or two dodgy guys... At you know, on the wrong end of a bender, mm. but these movies always sort of have like there was like five or six guys yeah. who were just kind of hanging around, yeah, look, talking, I, and then they suddenly go, 
Hey, like, they always do, don't they? Hey, let's go rape this I'm woman. In the, I'm in some, some rape. And it, 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 <laughs> I feel a bit rapey. <laughs> That's right. And they, they do, I shouldn't actually laugh because I think the thing is it does actually happen. So I think uh, I think there's some sort of truth to it. Oh, for, I think you'd have to, absolutely you'd is. have to ask some young it's, women. It's not, not the case, but the way movies portrayed mm. is always... It's. I can't imagine it ever working out in this fashion where there's just literally a bunch of guys just standing around talking. Ready to rape. And then I think it's more. There's probably more build up and, you know, circumstance and. Yeah. It takes a bit of revving. The guys got to rev themselves up a bit first. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. they just launch in a full on attack rapey, mode. Rapey attack yeah. mode. And they're, they're in this type of story, because it's not as serious as maybe another film that del- delves a bit deeper into that, but into sexual assault and stuff. But in this these type of films, they the women quite often will defend themselves. They'll kick someone in the balls or whatever. Oh, and then the other men... The but, then, the but then it's always like, then the other men are like, oh, that's it. We're going to kill her now. <laughs> yeah. It's like think, the- you're kind of like, oh, so she stood up for herself and then now you're really going to like absolutely kill her. Tell you know, the truth, like- I would expect the, the more rally if she went like whacked that guy in the balls. I think the other guys would stand around laughing. Yeah, that's right. That's what I think. Like, Cause there's a, cause, there'd be a know. bit more of... They're like, and they were always like, kill her. Kill her. <laughs> and then anyway, they're, they're and doing, that's what happens. They're we're doing parkour here. down the, they the do. steps. They and, do a whole thing and she chases, uh, end up on this rooftop. She runs upstairs. You're always like, oh, don't go up. Yeah, where's that going to no, take There's no... Um, women, don't run upwards upstairs. Here's a safety announcement for you, right? Uh, but anyway, so she goes up and she ends up on this rooftop. There's even more dodgy men that just want to join in again. Yeah, I know. Like, like, oh, 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 it's, I, oh, it's, 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 it's on. It's on. It's gang rape, is it? Sweet. <laughs> I'm in and there's barbecuing going on and all sorts of stuff. And this is where culturally, uh, and it's throughout this film. And I love watching these other cult. I love watching these other versions of it. And it's a bit Jackie Chan, but I do wonder if it is a bit more cultural, but it's like, now we've got this really tense scene going on where, yeah, this woman's going to either get beaten to death or raped and beaten to death really horrifically. But then Leeson kind of enters the mix and it's like a comedy Kind of this comedy comes yeah, out he, there. He you sort know? of tries like, to do a bit of like Jackie Chan. He tries to do. I think it. someone actually accused him. What do you think you are, Jackie yeah, Chan? Yeah, yeah. And he burns his ass on the barbecue, and Defini gets his belt off, and his pants fall down. So suddenly, it's like it's not this rapey rape scene, <laughs> and it's a lot more gentle, and it's a lot funnier. And then he starts getting. They go, oh, and they like do attack him. And pin him down, and uh, she comes up and spray paints him. So it's kind of suddenly a bit comical. Mind you, whole I, was, thing. I saw that where she spray painted. I can only imagine that must cause permanent blindness. Yeah, yeah. I cannot imagine I, I, getting green spray I don't paint think... directly on your eyeball. Now, if you notice, you just said the other men laughing. You notice that when they did that, there was a couple of other people on that rooftop that then just laughed. Yes. Like they were like, <laughs> spray paint. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's extremely Australian as well. It's like, yeah, she's got them good, you know. Yeah. Like they deserve it. They were rapies. Yeah. <laughs> they, were going, they were in for some rapey rape. They would have raped me later today. <laughs> yeah. And now they're totally blind, which is kind of, you know, a bit of their upcomings, I suppose. That's right. So anyway, she's um, we kind of jumped over it, but the witch doctor did say go to see Constantino, even though I don't think he's called that in this, but go see the magician at the opera house and she takes off, um, leaving Leeson sort of left on the side of the road. And, and this is where we find this is actually the source of the Bleeding Steel books. Yeah. It's the fact that uh, the the short dude would go up and um, did he have a name in the character? Or is he, he was just like the small assistant. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he'd just go up into the, the control room and start recording, recording the sessions. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and then they'd sell this 
yeah. onwards. It it's not explicitly shown, but it's, no. you, you you get that you figure that out. So it's yeah. pretty good that nice little subtlety there. I yeah, think. I think so too. Um, and I love the idea. You go see Constantino or <laughs> Constantine or whatever yeah. it is. And he's a stage magician. Yeah, at the yeah. opera house. And he's like, the like Chris Angel or something. <laughs> he's the head hypnosis guy in Australia. That's yeah. that you might have some time with. And anyway, when she arrives there, Leeson's actually on the other side, and so he gets her into the opera house, um, and she does get on stage with Constantino. Um, but with that, the woman in black attacks, murders Constantino. Oh yes, but uh, he, he says it's his time. It's his time, you know. Yeah. And um, but then he's then uh, Jackie Chan jumps in, starts doing his Jackie Chan stuff with oh, the curtains great, and rods and all yeah, that sort of stuff. A and, great running battle through the opera house. Yeah, and Leeson helps, and I think that's when Jackie Chan's like, "Oh, I know he's trying to help," and he you know he kind of removes yeah. her from the rooms from the woman, um, and and gets her out actually safely, gets her safely out and gets her onto a boat. And then that's where we have this great scene that I talked about before up on the opera house, my favourite scene of the film. We're up high. It's very dangerous. Jackie Chan has to kind of like slide down the uh, opera house, of course, as you'd expect. And um, and he's a big thing, isn't he? He always like slides off a building and lands on an umbrella or something. Yes. Umbrellas. <laughs> like the umbrella always saves him, doesn't it? You know? Well, the, he gets that from the Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Where they, they always they sort of fall as far as they want and they just fall through one of those awnings and yeah, they're okay. And they're okay. Yeah, that, that breaks the fall. Uh, but I felt the height. So if you're one of those people that's a bit scared of heights or you, you do have that experience, watch this film for that. Um, we do then cut that, um, yeah, they get away. He takes them back to their house. Back to his house, And yeah. his house is actually like this kind of fortress. He's got, he's got the secret room um, under, under He's got the secret there. room where he ties Leeson or handcuffs him up um, and Nancy goes to sleep. But then she escapes, right? She wakes up and, she and wakes up. off, as you'd expect, because mm. she's kind of like, what the hell's going on here? And I've, I figured this was sort of the midpoint here where... Yeah, I reckon too. Where things seem to have been going well. Like, you know, they've uh, Jackie and Leeson are finally together. They've got Nancy. They've got to the safe house. Yeah. And you think, ah, oh, like that was really tough, but they, they, they've done it. But up until this point, they've each only done what they normally do. Mm. So yeah. Nancy has only ever kind of just befuddled her way along like yep. a student. Leeson yep. has just kind of, you know... She, and she doesn't really realize the truth of... No, and and, and Leeson's done what he's done, and and Jackie Chan's not even done what he's done. So they've they've just kind of gotten this far, mm. so far so good. But then Nancy, of course, runs away because yeah. she's not too keen on hanging around with a couple of weirdos. As far as she thinks, a couple of crazy people who are yeah. involved with bad people. Yep, and she's still having her nightmares and all that kind of stuff. So she's no the better. So I agree that was the midpoint. To and me. we also see here the the gypsy is dead. Yeah. Yes, and which is where, of course, the uh, bad guys are sort of getting a little bit closer. They're coming up to Jackie's house. Yeah, so the, the he knows that she's taken off, so he's lost her. Yeah. He knows the gypsy's dead and the scam. Yeah. You know, the because the, he, he sees the cameras. Uh, and then with that, the and he's learnt that Nancy's actually gone back to China. So she's totally fled. Yeah. And then the bad guys are coming up on his house. So he packs up, runs out the chimney. 
Yes, yes. A secret little <laughs> secret door out of the chimney door. or whatever, and walks down the street and blows the house to smithereens with Leeson in the basement. With Leeson in the basement, um, and takes off back to China. So he's kind of you're right. Like that that whole thing before that is a midpoint because now it's like he can't. He's got to like go back home to yeah, he follow Nancy. He can't rely. He's because his old pattern was. He was anonymous in the background, yeah. just keeping an eye on Nancy. Hmm. And that led him all up to this point. Yeah. But it didn't save her. It didn't save her. So and she's off on her own It's, it's got to change. He's got to change it up. Got, something's got to change. Um, so when she, then back in China, she goes to James's, Dr. James's house and discovers that Jackie Chan is her father. That's yes, when she realizes, I, um, I am your father. <laughs> your father. She realizes all that, and she's got the key to the vault, which has got information. Um, and with that, then of course the bad guys rock up. As we said, this moment in the film is there's more and more. The bad guys are winning. They're, they're getting on top of the good guys, right? And so Jackie Chan's going back home. He's got the help of his little assistant. Sets him up. He heads to try to find Nancy, and with that, she's been kidnapped. Um, got this car and chase. He's got the big on. car chase, and that's the thing. He can't win that car chase, and in fact, he doesn't. So, Leeson pops in again and helps and the scooter. him. Scooter, yes, yeah, with the scooter on the road again. And it's again, a bit comical. Is comedy is like, yeah. It's like yeah. suddenly like pouring all this stuff on the road that then these people are going to die. But there's a bit of comedy involved. So again, you know, it's like culturally, there's something a bit different there. Uh, and, and and I think this is that sort of moment where we have that death of hope. Sort I of think thing, so. Where, yeah, where. They catch up with the cars. They find they caught the wrong car. Caught the wrong car, yeah. So the bad guys still have Nancy. Um, so they're, they're taken to the vault. They do. They they go to the vault and um, they're like, ah, oh, the 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 bad guys will go to the vault, don't they? So they set it up. They do a setup. Yeah, I, I love this little sting because they they get her down there and then uh, into this vault. And mm. and they open up the the vault to get out the heart or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, uh, yeah. And then gas flows in, and but not- it's not a heart either. It's a camera. Oh no, sorry. Yes, it's a camera they get. Yeah, in there, and, then, so it's, and some- it's a trick. And then they do the gas. Yeah, yeah then they yeah. they gas them, and they go, ah, oh, we we know their weakness of their armor. Of course, mm. it's not gas proof. Yes. Yeah, it's bulletproof, but not gas proof. But not gas proof. And then they look at the camera themselves. Yes. And the footage is. Um, the the scientist doing his thing, right? His research, yeah, yeah. and sh- yeah, shows shows that he's um, what does it show in that video? That it's it, does, it shows the starfish and the gecko. Yeah, and that's stuff, right, that's right. It's showing that, yeah, that's right. That's and it shows that he he injected himself with the blood. Yeah, and yeah. So this it's kind of the my understanding. Is this was just sort of one part of the two part key. So this in conjunction with her blood, with the memories in it. Yeah. Would would so would restore the research basically? Yeah, so I think they kind of figure out that Andre, the bad guy, um, would need her blood, and that's why he wants Nancy. Yes, and Nancy will be alive and well. They won't kill Nancy, um, and so because he needs her blood, mm. so that that he so so she's safe, even though she's with the bad guy, she's safe. And then they could give them the camera as a bit of a swap as a possible thing. And, um, of course, Leeson kind of is scoping out the camera and you can see that and it's kind of a little bit suspicious what he's up to. But anyway, there's a good cut there because uh, Jackie Chan's assistant goes, 
So they'll be expecting them to come back to the airship. Yes. And so we just cut from that. And again, this film's done this a few times that we're kind of like jumping the story, not telling the audience exactly what's about to happen. And then so we see like the woman march in with her two little soldiers and they march up the ranks to this death ship. And a couple <laughs> and of soldiers give a, a slightly odd glance. They are, but, but we're just seeing everything shot from behind. So yeah. she's walking, 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 and she gets to a point. And then there is a guy, a scientist, goes, hey, you're not. And then they, like, knock him out or whatever they do. And um, and she turns and it's the assistant is dressed as the woman in black. Yeah. And so that was a nice little touch, I thought. And I reckon this is the, the Act 3 plan. Yes, uh, it is. This is like their plan. Gone, They're attacking the here's ship. Here's our plan. We've, we've learned something. Because they got clever. They stopped the, the previous strategies and then they went for this spy game sting to capture them and, and get in on the action. They did. So, yeah, it takes us into the finale because that's the thing. They've got this plan. They've got their resources. Let's jump on the ship as the bad guys, see how deep we can get to save Nancy. And nowadays when I watch films like this in particular, I always see that they go, okay, they because they, they initially start winning. You know, they shoot yeah. around a bunch of guys. They, they, they get rid of their some, henchmen. They hold some scientists hostage and so yeah. forth. And it's like, in my mind, I think, okay, so something's going to fail. Yeah. It has to because... And what do they get? Doing. Yes, yeah, so they get this wall. They can't <laughs> get into Nancy. Wall, yeah. And then, of course, they, they the guy can't open it either. No. So yeah. it's just done. And then soldiers just keep flooding in. Yeah. And I love the way Leeson keeps doing lying on the floor pretending to be yeah, a soldier. Yeah, that's a cool plan. It works perfectly it works, every yeah. time. Cause Little Trojan horse almost. I was right. things like, how are you supposed to know? There's a whole bunch of these guys yeah, lying around. Yeah, all shot dead. And Andre, meanwhile, with Nancy, is... Transfusing the blood, so he's taking it out it's of her. It's got a great machine with a percentage amount, and yeah. you see the, the the green and the red colors, and yeah. the, the blood being split into three. Because and he also clearly said to her because she warned him, she goes, "You're going to have three people in your brain," and he's like, "No, I've got a filter." Yeah, like the memory filter somehow. <laughs> yes, I, I a diffuser in the middle. Don't middle. ask me how. I like I like that because I'm it's in just a like, flying fortress, and hey, you're asking me how I, I filter blood. You're, I'm going to filter blood for this, right? Um, so yeah, there's a typical big battle scene. Uh, they can't get, they, the soldiers are just coming in and coming in, but so, and there's a lot of Jackie Chan, great action, fighting, shooting, they all do their thing. Um, but then with that, Andre smashes out and attacks them all. Yes. And, uh, he's feeling good again because you, you could see skins coming back to him. And, uh, so there's a great fight. There's a, it's a pretty cool fight scene, I thought, between one big bad motherfucker and then these three and three trying, people, yeah, yeah three on one three on one and one's jackie chan so you'd expect he'd have a bit of a you know go at her and, and um jackie they, chan loses his arm in the process yeah which well andre falls into this big melting heat pot thing yeah. and the thing shuts I, down again it, it doesn't really explain what that, no, is. what that is either but he's his arm gets ripped off and um in the in the process and so then they're going out and they're taking Nancy and they get to the and meanwhile the ship is starting to collapse from all the you know fighting and gun gun battle and uh, so they get to this kind of side and they're like parachute and he's like get her out of here and um I think he kicks Nancy out doesn't yeah, he kicks yeah he does out. kicks him out so that they're already out there they've lost Leeson as well back back at the um back at the original battle bit when it sort of exploded and um, and then with that, Andre comes out and attacks Jackie, and they're fighting. And he's losing the battle, and he he remembers that. Well, hang on, he injected me with a bit of his blood. Well, yeah, and he, he's got the yeah the the hose thingo. 
yeah. that he, he got stabbed with. And he's yeah. like, oh, okay. And sure enough, his arm <laughs> yeah. regrows. <laughs> That's right. So he's, he's sort of been, in, during the fighting, he's got some of Andre's blood and his arm just regrows. And so he can overtake him and battle him and kick him back into the ship just as it explodes. And, of course, he jumps out without a parachute. Typical yeah, Jack, Jackie Chan. And he's flying down to Earth and... Uh, uh, the other two are parachuting and they're like, oh, just just lean it this way a no, little bit. Open a secondary open parachute. Open a secondary parachute. He la- I, I mean, I'm curious to know that the Mythbusters are going to do this one or yeah. something. Like, they're not doing anything anymore, I guess. But is is this even, would he have fallen so hard and fast that he yeah, would just rip just through the parachute? through that parachute. Or would he have would sort of bounced well, off yeah. it and softened his blow enough to mm. fall into water? Yeah, I don't know. And... Bingo, we've got this water scene again. Yeah, back uh, to the water. Ever since this discovery where you were talking about the water as this um, mm. crossing over point. Now yeah. you see it here. Jackie Chan limp as a frog. Are they limp? Yeah. Okay. A bit limp. A limp frog falls into the water, splash. He gets, yeah. and he's, he's sinking, sinking. He sinks down unmoving, yeah. dead. But then, of course, he comes away and he kicks up, kicks up. And he bursts out of the water again. We get so this bursting alive. out of the water scene. He's the only person in the frame. Yep. You see nothing else. It's just him, his arms back. Yep. And, of course, then the other people psh, psh, come out. And, and, again, it's just this whole rebirth. It's like that's the end of that story. It's mm. now starting over Yeah. because um, Nancy's remembering the um, her memories. Yeah. So she's remembering that's her dad. That's her dad. And, and then... remembering that Lisa actually went to school, like school yeah. orphanage with her. That's right. Uh, and yeah, so it's it's sort of this restart mm. process. And they, they it, and it quickly cuts to and they're happy in Sydney. So it's a good example of that bookends, right? Like what we said before that versus Jackie Chan on his own rushing to a hospital dying child and then yeah. now at the end we're back in sydney it's like a it's a fairy land it's a you know a um amusement park they're all having a good time taking photos they're a happy family almost right yeah. like so it is an opposite to the beginning he's got his daughter he's got a family scenario but then with that being this style of sort of thriller sci-fi action jackie chan stuff they're realizing that well leeson was actually a bit of a like double agent, I suppose. Yeah, the funny, way he was it. the son of the arms dealer. Yeah, and so he was in the orphanage the whole time. He wanted revenge. <gasps> oh no! Oh no! And what kind of revenge will he had? And it cuts to the as I said earlier that there's this arms dealer boot with boobs all around him, and um, Leeson is talking to him about the tape and negotiating how much the tape is worth. And that's the end. Yes. Dun dun, bleeding steel. Bleeding steel. Go check it out. And with all of this water, I've realised I'm gonna to have to have a water scene in my screenplay. Well, if if there's, if you want rebirth, there's got to be there's got to be a turning point. Well, there <laughs> or is transition over to another life. There is a couple because I, I love that theme in yeah. in stories. There's, there'll definitely be. What's well, so visual in film as well, isn't it? If you chuck people into pools of water, or oceans, or rivers, or lakes, or even really heavy rain. Right? They come like, bursting out of the water and yeah. sprays and splashes sprays, everywhere. It's very visual yeah, for film. Yeah, great. So what about the ladder, Surrey? Where are you putting this? For me, it's coming in. We've done a lot of films now, actually. For me, it's coming in, funny enough, under another Chinese film, which was 
Shanghai Fortress. I've got Shanghai Fortress on my regular ladder at number 40. Uh, Bleeding Steel's coming in now at number 41. And then after that is the IO. So I think it it kind of would be a nice little match in there because those three, if you were to take those three films, they're actually drastically different. You kind of got one that's set in an apocalyptic future where they're trying to fight the world, you know, save the world in out of China. Uh, you have this one, which is much more down to earth. Yeah, it's futuristic in one type of science, but then very realistic in another. Yeah. Uh, and then lead into IO, which is kind of that slow burn end of the world sort of story. So I think that would be a nice little... You know, if you set yourself up on a Friday night to watch three films in a row, that would do quite well. I, I had it moved up to um, number 39, mm. which is, it's below Darkest Dawn, yeah. which is the yeah. Lee the British, Casson. Yeah, yeah. Was that his name? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Casson. Uh, Drew, Drew Casson. Drew, that's yeah. it, Drew Casson. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, Drew. And uh, in Paradox, the Iranian... And, I like that because it's the the darkest dawn is this alien invasion. Mm. It's as you said, I went for the apocalyptic thing. I think that yeah. matches well with this. Yeah. But then this is a very human story. Yeah. About a family, mm-hmm. and in paradox, then we go back to that sort of bleak, but it's still got the family yeah. element to it. I think the the way that we've both put it between, even though they're different films, it's almost like the style of the the beat of the story. You know what I mean? Like. You've got one that's an end-of-the-world sort of story, and then you've got this one, which is a high-octane, big action, and then one that's just going to be a bit of a slow slow. Yeah, a bit, bit of a... Because the Paradox is in, a bit like that, isn't and it? And is very sort of personally intense. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Paradox is that personally yeah. intense sort of thing. Yeah, oh, well, okay. There that's, we go. That's quite that's an interesting way of doing it. And, and if anyone else is playing along here and, and has their own mm, playlist order... Definitely. Get in touch with us and let us know and we'll let see how know. we're going. Yeah, compare playlists, ladders. I like that. So what about Surrey? Nice and quickly, what do you think about the science in this film? What are you going to pick on? Are you going to give me a bleeding steel heart one day? Oh, look, I did actually do a bit of research into <laughs> artificial hearts and synthetic blood mm. substitutes. And there's a really interesting story about the original efforts in the 1600s for replacing blood. Mm. And every time the concept of replacing blood comes up, it's in context of war. Yeah. Whenever there's a big yeah. war, there's always this massive need for blood. Of course. <laughs> they tried all sorts of things. In the 1600s, they tried beer. Yep. Because, you know, why not? Why not? And I'll <laughs> take it. Well, at the very least, you know, you're not going to be too, uh, you know, no, knowing that you're dying anyway. Urine. Ooh. Because... Beer is much better. I'm not sure why they chose yeah. urine. Yeah, it's fluid, and, human fluid, fluid, I suppose. And milk. Milk Ooh. apparently not as bad as you'd think it was. Okay. It's not as good as you think. But anyway, I, I didn't do I'm that dairy at all. I'm dairy intolerant. <laughs> Instead, I had a look at this bit of um, MIT research. Ooh. So we've got this guy, uh, Professor Stephen Barrett from MIT. He... He had this very interesting idea. See, back when he was a kid, he'd be watching these movies and television series like Star Trek. And he remembers uh-huh. looking at the shuttles and loving the way these, these shuttles would just sort of come down through the atmosphere and land you know, quietly, no big fanfare, no blasting uh-huh. rockets and so forth, uh-huh. which was in stark contrast. Because remember, Star Trek, the original was in the 60s. Which means it's right during the space race, the rocket program, yeah, the Apollo yeah, program, yeah. where everyone, Buck Rogers and all of those science fiction people were getting into space by rockets. Yeah. And here's Star Trek. 
and they're coming through and these quiet, gliding, sort of moving things. Mm. And so he said he was fascinated by that anyway. So he's looking more and more into that just on his own. And he's come across this idea of an ionic wind drive. Right. So flight with no moving parts. Mm. So the idea of this is, and it's quite simple in concept, as many of these things are. But if you have uh, one wire, which, for example, is a positive, is a negative charge, right? that means it's giving off electrons. And then you've got another wire that's positive, so it's going to accept electrons. So you're going to get this flow of electrons from one to the other, which means it's they're going to be hitting, um, uh, uh, creating charged particles, like mm. the air is going to get charged. Yep. And it's going to move towards the positive pole. Yeah, right. And it's going to bang into other air along the way, creating wind. Yeah. So if you had enough of these wires with a strong enough current in them, you could get a strong enough breeze over a wing mm. to get lift. Yeah, right. And it would be really very quiet because it'd just be, you know, a, a puff of air. You don't have any fan blades or any rockets or jets or anything. Mm. So he's gone and tried to figure out whether it's even workable. And most people, common conventional thought is no. The amount of power you need, the amount of lift you're going to get, how it works, it's just... It's impractical. Mm. And he said, well, you know, stuff that. Star Trek can do it. Why can't I? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. He did a bit of a, he says here, back of the envelope uh, um, equations. And then he said, you know, it could work. And so he did. He made this beautiful model. It took him, uh, I don't know, what, about nine years or so of doing bits and pieces. Finally managed to find a, a custom-built lithium battery, which would fit into the fuselage of the, of the f glider. Yeah. And then you know, get the right weight and density and thickness of these wires and so forth. And he and his buddies went into the gym at MIT with the gymnasium. So it's an indoor space without wind and you know birds and whatever 60 meters long and there's a couple of videos if you go check out on the mrt.edu site it's the first ionic wind plane no moving parts mm -hmm. and there's a lovely little video there where they indeed show it's like a wright brothers-esque looking sort of glider flying across the length of the gym mm. under its own propulsion awesome. silently how cool and I really love this idea because I remember reading, oh, geez, what book was it? I, I, I cannot possibly remember what book it was. I was. At one stage, I was reading a great deal of science fiction books. Uh, so one of them, anyway. But they had these ionic uh, shuttles. So the shuttle would enter the atmosphere, just basically fall, because yeah. that's the easiest way of getting into the atmosphere. But when it hit atmosphere, it had this... Uh, highly ionized hull because they had you know miniature fusion engines so they could produce a lot of power and it would just basically use these this ion field around the 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 shuttle to blast air in whatever direction they they, they could change the um ionization of the hull mm. to produce different yeah. air gusts and yeah. they could fly okay. these ships without moving parts down yeah sounds cool and it's really good and the, the in that book, they could also get enough charge flying up that they could reach escape velocity. Mm. So they basically shoot yeah. upwards as fast as they could towards the atmosphere and they'd run out of atmosphere so their ion charge wouldn't work. Yeah. 
but they would have been going fast enough that they gave boop out into orbit mm. and then they just sort of have a couple of maneuvering jets to sort of land themselves back on the jet. Yep. And the reason I thought of this, of course, was because of that flying fortress. <laughs> the Death Star in the sky. Yeah, like I mean that flying fortress idea, it had no wings. No. It had some great big monster jets at the back. It did. For forward propulsion. Yeah. But you know, something like that, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool? Yes, and then I had a, awesome. I had a little remember, remember this ion flight sort of thing, and I mm, went, mm, mm. "Did anyone yeah. make that really real work?" Yeah, and the answer is yes. Three years ago, Stephen Barrett, Professor Stephen Barrett from MIT, he did. Mm. Be interesting if he's done anything updated since then. I suppose, like, because well, that's the thing. A lot of this science, like, it, like you said, you said it took him nine years to get to yeah. there. So it's like. Well, now it's an L3. It'd be interesting if they have made well, the, it lighter, flyer, his, whatever. His idea was that not so much that you're going to be able to scale this up to passenger jet things. Yeah, of but course. he's saying for drones, yeah. uh, if you're doing scientific s- surveys of places, mm. like drones are really noisy. They sound yeah. like a swarm of bees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you could, yeah, and obviously if you're trying to film wildlife or mm. any other sort of thing and you've got this angry swarm of bees buzzing around, like <laughs> you can't get good shots. No, no. Everything no. runs away from it. That's right. But if you have these nice sort of quiet gliders yep. could glide around the place yep. and they would have a very low impact. They're not shooting exhaust out into the mm. atmosphere. Mm. They're not, you know, lots of noise or light or anything like yep, that. Yep, yep. And they'd be able to do surveys and bit of, like no doubt though there's an arms dealer thinking, <laughs> you know what it would also do is yeah. silently deliver deadly Silent payloads, rockets. you know, like yeah, yeah. And then, of course, this guy would get kidnapped by someone and be forced <laughs> to create uh, anyway, who a version knows? of it. Yes, of course. Oh, that's excellent. That'd be really cool. And does explain the strange spaceship in this movie. Yes, and, and I think so. <laughs> and and it's to see this thing flying and uh, yeah, you, you can't hear it properly in the video, but it would be, it looks science fiction. Mm. It has no moving parts. It's just this wing, but it's propelling itself like it's mm. it's moving it's awesome. faster than a glider could move on its own mm. so yeah, cool that's oh. science that's like um solar panels of science fiction yeah it's the yeah. same thing well go check out the videos folks you heard it here fantastic mit.edu just do a, a search for the ionic wind uh airplane okay so that brings us to the end of bleeding steel Episode 67 for us tonight. Uh, if you're playing along at home, our next episode, you can go out, check it out. It's on Netflix at the moment. It's a British sci-fi and it's called Await Further Instructions. Came out in 2018. I really don't know much about it. I just kind of randomly picked it. Uh, hopefully it's a little brilliant one. If you're out there, wherever you're listening to us, give us a five-star rating or write a review on wherever you are listening to us, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Anchor FM, or I don't know, wherever you get your podcasts for Space Brains. Why not give us a little tick, thumbs up, you stars. Send us a little note to yep. tell us maybe you've got a suggestion or maybe you think uh, we, we've completely butchered some symbology or, or didn't yeah. pay much, enough attention to something really important in Definitely. one of the films. Definitely. Let us know. You can find us at spacebrains.com, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Just look for Space Brains. And sometimes the newspaper. Sometimes the traditional press is following us. Also, if you're making a sci-fi short film or feature film, think about entering the Space Brains Film Festival. Find that at Film Freeway or, again, on our website. Hit us up. Let us know. Interact with us at any point. And await further instructions. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.